Hey, hey, buddies, fellow Franco fans. It is I, your host, Jason Rudy, uh, coming to you today from the Franco Observer podcast studios in the outer reaches of Transylvania on the planet Mars. And uh, on this episode 39, we review and uh, go over Dracula, Prisoner of Frankenstein. Um, let's see. This is uh, film 39, episode 39. Uh, we're staying in sync right now, so that's pretty cool. I've been wanting to do this for a while. So we're right on track. Um, and on a personal note, before I go with the episode, um, just got, got through a bunch of cool moving things, uh, a lot of transitions, a lot of uh, getting rid of the past, and uh, stronger, leaner, and uh, more creative than usual than ever before. So the renewed energy will start coming back through on these podcasts. So we're going to be recording podcasts in sync with filming, so this will be a pretty exciting, turbulent time in my history. So uh, thank you for listening along, and uh, you'll be hopefully enjoying and uh, transferring the energy that I put out through these next few weeks and months. So we started uh, episode one with the original Dracula, and on this, episode 39, we return to the great man Dracula. So once again, this is Dracula, Prisoner of Frankenstein. It's a Portugal, Spain, and Liechtenstein and France uh, co-production, 1971. Uh, original theatrical title in country of origin, Dracula, Prisonario de Frankenstein. Uh, this is Portugal's title. Uh, the Spanish is Dracula versus Frankenstein, Dracula contra Frankenstein. Uh, Dracula, Prisonero de Frankenstein. Okay, let's see. Um, alternate titles, Night of Open Coffins, Germany title, Die Nacht der Offensage, uh, Italian theatrical, Dracula contro Frankenstein, uh, Dracula Tigon Frankenstein, uh, Belgian Dutch language poster, uh, Vampire Kier der Nacht der Offensage, German video, The Screaming Dead, US video, El that's just so stupid, The Screaming Dead. Uh, El Doctor Frankenstein Contra Dracula, shooting title. Uh, Dracula Contra, okay, so yeah. So pretty much Dracula versus Frankenstein, or Dracula Prisoner of Frankenstein. Uh, shooting date on this is uh, November uh, 1971. Um, so, and uh, it was classified for Spanish release August 30th of following year of 72. A French visa issued October second, seventy two. Played Fran uh, had a screening October fourth, seventy two. Played uh, France in October seventeenth, seventy two. Played uh, Bilbao November eighteenth, seventy two. Madrid January third, seventy three. Belgium Brussels uh, eleven months later, December twentieth of seventy three. Then Italy Turin February sixth of seventy four. And uh, Portugal, um, March 4th of 74, Australia, Sydney, September 10th of 74, and finally played Edmonton, Canada, in January 16th of 1976. So uh, just about uh, three and a half years later in finally ending up. So that was a nice long run. Uh, theatrical running time. Portugal, 82 minutes. Spain, 85 minutes. France, 85 minutes. Yeah, it's funny just sitting here thinking like uh, the three plus years that it played when you have established characters like a Dracula or Frankenstein. Uh, it definitely gives you more of a uh, shelf life. And back then they could replay these titles and always have an audience compared to um, something that was unknown or uh, something that was just a fresh take. So... Uh, okay, so let's see. We gave you um, the uh, credit. Okay, so film title. We did that numbers, credits, actors, producers. All right. Cast. We have Dennis Price as Dr. Rainier von Frankenstein. We have Howard Vernon as Dracula. We have Pace Gabadalon as Mary Frances. Uh, Maria, Dr. Stewart's patient. Uh, Alberto de Bales as Dr. Jonathan Seward. Uh, we have the beautiful Brit Nichols as female vampire. Uh, Genevieve Delure as Amira, the gypsy girl. Uh, Josiane Peretz-Belair as 
Josian Gilbert, uh, Estrella, a cabaret singer. Anne Liebert is a uh, beautiful Anne Liebert, Dracula's first victim. Uh, Louis Barreau, Morpho. Uh, he's awesome in this. He's he's a great uh, Franco actor. We see him later on, too, in uh, Devil's Island Lover. He's really good in that. Um, let's see. Eduardo Pimenta is married female victim. Uncredited Daniel White is Danny, the first victim's father, and the man at the bar, and Antonio de Cabo, uh, married male victim. Credits directed by Jess Franco, story and screenplay by Jess Franco, director of photography, Jose Clement, editor, Maria Luisa Soranio, uh, on the Spanish Prince, and R. Ventura on the French Prince, uh, set dresser, Antonio de Cabo, music, Bruno Nicolai, and Daniel White. Um, let's see, who else do we have on here that we want to talk about? Filmed in Technoscope, Color Eastman Color. Um, English language version by Daniel Mills, uh, French producer Robert de Nicelle. He starts working with him quite a bit in this time. So yeah, the review, uh, we take our course every time from Murderous Passions, The Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco, Volume 1 by Mr. Stephen Thrower, uh, an essential Jess Franco book for your library. Um, and uh, yeah, it's of course never a paid plug. This is just me giving credit to the source. Uh, review. Uh, yeah, so in late 71, Frank returned to the theme of vampirism for a third bite of the jugular. And although Vampiros Lesbos the year before had dispensed with gothic trappings, here they're back with a vengeance. Dracula Prisoner of Frankenstein is a kaleidoscope melange of classic horror imagery. In the first 15 minutes, we get a fog shrouded castle, bats at the window, thunder and lightning. Horse-drawn carriages at dusk, a dusty old diary, Dracula sucking blood from the throat of a screaming woman, cobwebbed crypts in a co- cobwebbed coffins in a crypt, and a vampire staked through the heart. In fact, the whole thing is steeped in a notion vapours of gothic fear from foggy start to fiery finish. Furthermore, Franco reaches back to traditions even older than the universal horror pictures of the 30s as Dracula, Prisoner of Frankenstein, is virtually a silent movie. Um, Yeah, it goes from quite a bit. Um, Compared to Count Dracula, this is a film of much greater freedom and vitality. It revisits one of the same key locations, the castle of Santa Barbara and Alicante, and shares a few of the same characters, Dracula, Dr. Seward, a band of gypsies, but takes a far more idiosyncratic approach than before. It's as though the shackles are off and Franco can spread his wings at last. One imagines that after the rancour and criticism which greeted his serious adaptation of Stoker, a playful attitude and blithe disregard for the original text must have been just what the doctor ordered. Dracula, Prisoner of Frankenstein, is first and foremost a slice of gothic eye candy in which a fan fantastical world is conjured out of eerie locations, crazy performances, a truly pathological disregard for plausibility, and the hissing of synthesized gales wrapping frostily around your brain. Franco is at his Zoom happiest here, so be prepared. We we are constantly pulled in and out of the image with a devil-may-care energy that makes the camera work and Count Dracula look like positively Bressonian. But the ceaseless movement creates its own rhythms, a sort of breathing that mimics the It's Alive epiphany of Dracula, of Dr. Frankenstein's creations, or the queasy oculation between attraction and repulsion that characterizes vampirisms. Occasionally, shots judder out of focus, but despite this, the photography is often beautiful and impressive. Intelligent use is made of the widescreen frame, with compositions that achieve elegance despite the occasional ragus raggedness of technique dracula's fog shrouded castle the darkening darkening moodiness of the village streets and the imposing shadows of the interiors lend a touch of class that even the film's frequent absurdities don't compromise in fact absurdity is a major part of the fun everyone plays the film straight faced yet there is a lurking weirdness here that stems from a madcap sense of humor behind the camera uh let's see for instance, it must be said, there are a few elements which viewers may find hard to swallow. For instance, why does Dracula never close his mouth or move his eyes? Does Franco intend for us to laugh at Louis Barbeau's maniacal grunting morpho? Why did why do Stuart and Frankenstein fail to notice that another vampire, played by the beautiful Brit Nichols, sleeps in the same crypt as Dracula? 
Why does it take a gentle tap with a geologist's hammer to stake the Dark Lord? And how could Seward and Dracula's castle... And how can Seward enter Dracula's castle and dispatch him so easily in the first place? Uh, why does everyone appear to be living in the 19th century with capes and breeches and horse-drawn characters except for Dr. Frankenstein, whose chauffeur drives a 50s hearse in a gleaming black Mercedes-Benz 600? Well, in reverse order, the shock appearance of Dr. Frankenstein's modern-day hearse is mitigated when one notices a jukebox in the murky barroom at the start of the film and a 1970s cash register swathed in shadows on the counter, which I've watched, mentioned itself when I watched. Um, shoddy transfers over the years have obscured these markers of modernity, but that still leaves us wondering why Dr. Seward dresses and deports himself like a man from the 19th century's gothic novel and why he insists on traveling by horse and carriage. Um, giving that he nips in and out of Dracula's castle so quickly, surely a minicab would have sufficed. As for uh, as for the ease which with Stuart dispatches the vampire, it's one of those puzzling scenes in Franco cinema where a disdain for special effects results in crazily effort efforts substituting for robust actions. This seems to be born of financial restraint. Effects are expensive, not least because of the faffing around that requires on set. Time is money, and Franco's appetite for fast shooting clearly brooks no dissent from pernickety effects designers with their test shots and safety issues and complicated jiggery-pokery. <laughs> Interesting. British writing. Uh, the question of how both Seward and Frankenstein remain oblivious to Brit Nichols' vampire woman is much more confusing, leaving us to wonder why on earth she's meant to be. As for dear old Morpho, Franco gamely reaches back to the heavily theatrical Igors of Universal Era for inspiration. That's what I was telling Eric. Uh, Luis Barbu's facial contortions are surely meant to convey menace, but instead they put one in mind of a comedy bumpkin stubbing his toe on an anvil. The one element that leaves me mystified, even after multiple viewings and with a sense of humor firmly in place, is Howard Vernon's Aunt Sally approach to playing Count Dracula. In the follow-up, The Erotic Rites of Frankenstein, he's terrifyingly intense as the evil Caligastro, wringing maximum menace from his wide-angle close-ups. Here he honestly looks like he's trying to make Dennis Price's corpse as he sits in Frankenstein's car like an ab like an abandoned ventriloquist dummy, fangs barred as if caught in mid-sneeze. I suppose you can either fume with annoyance at these enigmas or simply think your lucky stars that such a defiantly eccentric film was ever made. Dracula Prisoner Frankenstein came at a time when traditional gothic horror was in marked decline. Hammer Studios were nearing its death throes with such miscalculated efforts as The Horror of Frankenstein, 1970, uh, which turns the scientist into a boorish womanizer. The Scars of Dracula, 1970, and Dracula, A.D., 1972. 1972. An amusing but incredible update, but instead of reviving the franchise, it had the effects of hastening its demise. Franco, ever the cineast, chose to ignore these stuffy old hammers and look back to the dying days of the universal horror cycle, when parody, pistache, and everything but the kitchen sink plotting were the orders of the day. Clearly as much a fan of Earl C. Kitten's Oddball Gothics, Ghost Frankenstein, House Frankenstein, and House of Dracula, 43-44-1945, as the James Whale and Todd Browning originals, Franco invests Dracula Prisoner Frankenstein with a loopy, chaotic decadence, allowing the, iconic, the iconography of these sacred monsters to leap free from their literary corsage. It's an approach that many that may alienate those more interested in the serious classics of the genre, but it's a creaky coffin full of pleasure if you're willing to go with it. Franco treats his monsters rather in the way ancient heroic tales use the gods of myths as figures to be remade and remodeled in ever-changing storylines, rather than icons fixed in place. A great deal of ink has been expended in debating the cultural significance of the Frankenstein and Dracula stories, but Franco is not working as a but Franco is not really working at a symbolic level here, so there's little of importance to ponder, except perhaps to wonder why science, Dr. Frankenstein, is drawing on mysticism, Dracula, to furnish solutions. That is, if his plan to create an army of vampire slaves is a concept worth taking seriously, which I strongly suspect it isn't. 
Franco's combination of avant-garde technique and commercial imagery is rooted instead in a sense of play and the free mutations of ideas. Logic be damned, he seems to be saying. In Dracula Prisoner Frankenstein, he brings horror icons together like a child playing with his aurora glow-in-the-dark toys and to hell with coherence, just as with a virgin among living dead, since and senselessness collide. Fragments dominate the whole, images take precedence over narrative, time and spatial relations are unstable and unreliable. Whether by accident, willful design, or an improvisational combination of the two, Franco has evoked here the true characteristic of the dream state. Compared to the sad and sensible world of Hammer, he's right out there creating ramshackle pulp surrealism in an expressionist toy shop of the macabre. Viewed through its frame of reference, the rough edges of Dracula, Prisoner Frankenstein, are far from regrettable. They're intrinsic to its worth. Cast and crew, actress Genevieve Delure, subsequently married Canadian producer and director Ivan Reitman, um, now known as Genevieve Robert. She is the mother of actor-director Jason Reitman and actress Catherine Reitman and Carolyn Reitman. Music. Most of the music is drawn from Bruno Nicolai's score from Justine and Count Dracula. Some versions also credit Daniel White, although he had little, if any, involvement. Location. The Santa Barbara Castle in Alicante and the Palicio de Conde Castro Guilmardes in Casquias, Portugal. Uh, connection. Earl C. Kenton's weird and wonderful House of Frankenstein can be seen as a template with its episodic narrative exploration or exploitation of Count Dracula by a rogue scientist and an appearance from the Wolfman in the final reel. Franco's Frankenstein monster abducts beautiful nightclub performers, just like Morpho did in Awful Dr. Orloff. Um, let's see. Quite a few beautiful pictures in this book from this film. Um, I've been unable to ascertain what language is used as notes pass between Louis Barbeau and Daniel White. I suspect they belong to some previously unknown language discovered by the well-known ethnographer and cunning linguist David Kuhn, a.k.a. Jess Franco. Uh, finally, Fernando Bilbo's monster bears an uncanny resemblance to the version later played by Peter Boyle in the 74 Mel Brooks comedy Young Frankenstein. Um, uh, yeah, DVD and video. Um, there's a couple of different versions. Um, I at first had the uh, image DVD or in America here. I first had the image DVD that. Uh, see what year is this put out? Seventy uh, two, but it doesn't say. I would guess this is somewhere around two thousand and two. Probably this was put out, and this is the um, eighty two minute. 1972 Spanish with English subtitle version is the one I had. And then I recently, a couple months ago, maybe about six months ago, upgraded to the uh, Blu-ray from Germany. Um, and it is uh, Colosseo Film, C-O-L-O-S-S-E-O-F-I-L-M.com. I'll give them a plug because it's a nice Blu-ray. Um, yeah, the... Um, Colossio Film, live. Uh, this is uh, widescreen, 235.1. And I think the other one was uh, 185.1, so it was widescreen as well. But yeah. So this has uh, 235.1 ratio, 82 minutes the same. Um, this is Master Audio. Um, it's uh, Spanish or German in Italy, and the subtitles in English or Dutch. So, oh, I'm sorry, German. So yeah, German subtitles, English subtitles, and the audio is in either German, Italian, or English. No, I'm sorry, this is in... Okay, Deutsch. So yeah, so German, Spanish, Italian is the um, audio, and then the subtitles in English and German. Okay, so that's what it is, yeah. So I always prefer the... Um, English subtitled and original language versions myself. I don't usually care for the English dubbed. So, uh, but you know, it's good to have both. So, but yeah, this is a nice uh, Blu ray. It's got a uh, nice uh, slip cover with a little different artwork from the original posters. Die Nacht der Offensage. So, I would recommend that. I think it's, uh, I got it through, uh, I believe, Amazon. 
and uh, you go through a second party seller, and I think it's uh, you have to get it overseas. It's either through um, uh, I don't know. You can look it up. It's not hard to find. Um, so let's see what else we want to say here. We gave you all the good stuff. Um, I personally kind of dig this film. Uh, this is one of the films that I watched years ago before I got into Franco because I was always Frankenstein Dracula guy and always have seen monsters fighting each other. Uh, big House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula, universal horror guy uh, since I was a kid. So that's what made me want to check this out. Um, it's fun. Being a Franco fan, I enjoy it more than when I did originally because um, I just didn't know what the hell I was watching. And uh, now being into his films and what he's trying to say, I can appreciate it more. And I like a lot of the actors more at this time and such. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely a cool film in the Franco canon. And um, speaking of canons, our mission statement is to praise in memory of Jess Franco, breaking the name and films of Jess Franco to new eyes and ears. And we try to do that every week here on the Franco Observer Podcast. Uh, please download the episodes. Uh, increases the numbers. Uh, please rate, share with your friends, tell people about it. We want to keep building the numbers. Uh, numbers are pretty steady. We want to try to keep increasing them. We have a good, loyal audience, and we want to have an even bigger audience. So please, if you enjoy the show and you listen to the show and you dig it, uh, and if you know friends that might be into Franco or you want to turn them on to them, please tell them about this podcast. Um, it's a weekly labor of love. And my goal is to do reviews of every single Jess Franco film and also films that lately we're seeing Blu-rays marketed as films by Jess Franco, which he did not direct, but they're still billing as him. Like, um, for instance, uh, we got the the Tangiers film that I ordered um, uh, that was done by another director, and he's credited as that. And then, of course... um, you have the, um, I did a review on uh, Emmanuel and the um, Black Cobra. Uh, that one was one that he written and was going to do. And so I went and did, did one on that. And then they have the um, the Angel of Death that's coming out, uh, the Mengele one. And uh, even though supposedly he didn't shoot, they says some reports that he shot a little bit of it, but the other guy didn't and put his name on it. And they, they're now Full Moon's putting it out as a Jess Franco film. So. So like ones, we're going to do those as well, so that will add to the episode numbers, but we're going to do those as bonus episodes because they're not officially just Franco films, and they're not in the Franco number canon, so I don't know. But I still want to try to put that out there for people to know because uh, I'm a completionist, and uh, with like OCD type stuff, I have to do all of it, don't do part of it, so... That's what my goal is to do all these. And, you know, Franco, there's 170-some-odd films of his at least. So there'll be about 180 episodes probably eventually. So this is uh, 39, so we got another 140 to go or so. So stay with me. Keep keep building the army for me, and I'll keep uh, leading the troops and exploring new lands of Francoville and learning of new places and new people and introducing you all to the citizens of the Franco universe. So with that, I think I will uh, get on my spaceship and fly out of the Franco universe and back to the Desperate Visions compound where I have many goals and shot lists and call sheets and things to work on. So thank you for listening. Um, We're going to go ahead and go into the bumper music and then into the review with Mr. Eric Whitwell and myself uh, talking about Dracula, Prisoner of Frankenstein. So uh, thank you all and be seeing you. Hey, fellow Franco fans, it is I, Count Dracula. No, it is I, your host, Jason Rudy. Coming to you today from the castle of Desperate Visions in Desperate Visionsville, Pennsylvania. (laughs) 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 Is that a bat or a cat sound effect? (laughs) That was being film 39, which is Dracula, Prisoner of Frankenstein. This is episode 39, uh, film 39. I am your host, Jason Rudy, Desperate Visions Productions. And I am joined once again by my friend and co-host, Mr. Eric Whitwell. Hola. Hola, como esta? Yeah. Uh, so um, we watched this back-to-back with uh, Robinson, 
and his three slaves or uh, sexy uh, darlings. Um, it's weird. These are two totally different films, and uh, it's kind of cool watching these back-to-back. Um, this is shot, uh, it's a 1971 shooting date, around the same time as like Virgin Report and uh, uh, Christine and um, uh, Sexy Darlings, the um, Robinson Island film. So he did all these around the same time. This is uh, November 71. Um and uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and read the synopsis because it's, it's funny. The synopsis, I think, has more words in it than the actual film did because there's, like, so little um, dialogue in it. There's mostly sounds and screams and a few uh, customary dialogue of describing things and setting up things. But it's really told through, through uh, visual means like classic horror and silent horror. So... It's kind of interesting. So, all right, I'm reading glasses off for this because there's quite a bit. All right. <clears throat> High above. Make sure we're recording. Yes, we are. Okay, go. High above a village in Eastern Europe stands a fog shrouded castle belonging to Count Dracula. As soon as light begins to fade, Dracula is at large, killing a young woman as she prepares for bed and menacing Maria. A painter and psychiatric patient at a clinic run by local physician Dr. Seward. Danny, the father of the latest victim, summons Seward, who realizes that the girl has been attacked by a vampire. To prevent her from returning as one of the undead, he pushes a pin into her eye. Traveling by horse and carriage, Seward visits Dracula's castle and makes his way to the crypt, where Dracula lies in a coffin. Seward stakes him and returns home. Meanwhile, a group of gypsies headed by Amira, a young female seer, are camped at the foot of the mountain. In town, a motor vehicle arrives. It's a hearse belonging to Rainier von Frankenstein. Morpho, Frankenstein's chauffeur, enters a local tavern to ask for directions to Dracula's castle. Danny gives him the information. Arriving at Castle Dracula, Frankenstein sets up his scientific apparatus and goes down to the crypt looking for Dracula. He finds a dead bat staked to the lining of a coffin. Frankenstein returns upstairs to his new laboratory and revives his monster. He sends it to abduct Estella, a sexy nightclub performer from a local cabaret. The monster brings her back to the castle, and using blood pumped from her living body, Frankenstein succeeds in returning Count Dracula to human form. The monster then deposits Estella in the incinerator and carries Count Dracula back to his coffin for storage until needed. After the monster has gone, a second coffin creaks open and a beautiful young vampire emerges. She leaves to attack Amira. Frankenstein writes in his journal that he intends to use Count Dracula to create an army of shadows who will subjugate humanity and make him ruler of the world. Frankenstein and Morpho take Dracula to Seward's castle where he breaks in and bites Maria. After examining the bites on Maria's neck, Seward realizes that Dracula is at large again. While trying to remove Maria from the area, Seward is ambushed by the monster who knocks him out cold and abducts his patient. Maria becomes one of Frankenstein's army of shadows. She and Count Dracula are dispatched by Frankenstein to abduct a rich married couple from the town. Working alone, the blonde vampiress attacks okay, Working alone, the blonde vampiress attacks Morpho. Amira fights off the effects of the vampire's bite and nurses Seward back to health, informing him that tonight the night of the full moon, a wolfman will attack the castle. She turns into a bat and flies out of the room. At the castle, a showdown unfolds between the wolfman, the vampire woman, Frankenstein's monster, and Rainier Van Frankenstein himself. The latter, realizing his plans are doomed, burns the vampire woman with electricity and stakes Count Dracula and Maria. The monster is rendered inoperative by a power surge as he stands in his casket. Seward and the gypsies arrive and head for the crypt, where Seward prays over the skeletal remains, thanking God for his help in fighting evil. But Dr. Frankenstein lives on. So, Eric, what did you think of the movie? How many uh, 
how many Jess Francos are there, like, in this universe? Like, he, it was, okay, first of all, solid, super good, okay. super yeah. good movie. Very traditional horror yeah. film, classic horror, you know. He has so many different styles. Yeah. Like, he has, like, this was a 180 degree turn from the movie we watched right before, The right. Robinson and His Three Slaves. Right. Like, this was solid, the the pacing, the the cinematography, just the sound, the music, except for like the, the bat sounds, but right. Some of the other, yeah, it was really, really, really good. Yeah. I mean, and like I was telling Eric, I said, I was always taught, uh, before I was a filmmaker and stuff, if you can watch a movie with no sound on and follow it and see how it goes, then it's a good film and it's edited well and it's done in the right order. And, and it's, it's told by pictures. Um, and not all the Franco films you can do that with, um, the ones that are, more basic and that are done traditional style like this you can watch a lot because it's done after a silent based where very like i was saying before very little dialogue and just you could follow it through the pictures and the actions and yeah it's really, really well made like he was saying um bruno nicolai did the music did a really good job my favorite part of the film though is no nudity uh, that's a different part of Franco. No, about how many Francos there are. That's a different style of Franco. I know, seriously. Totally yeah. it, it's and, and a couple times, Eric was getting so excited because he thought like part of his girl's <laughs> shirt was gonna be open, and then it would tease and then cut away or so. So awesome. Yeah, well, you know, it's like he has these beautiful women, and it's like, yeah. like I said before, man, it's like Franco makes you greedy because he shows right. you so many beautiful women naked. Especially right off the bat, you're like, okay, I wonder where she's gonna be nude, and then she yeah. like, keeps her clothes on the whole time. So it's like, yeah, it's like you're, you're expecting it, and you just kind of you've been. Spoiled so much, you're just like, oh, come on, when is it? When is it? Yeah, and and being different too. Uh, I'm going to hit now the list because we'll show you how different Franco is. Because probably a lot of this stuff isn't on these lists in this film. Yeah, body of water, no, no, no sailboats, nope. no, no boats, nope, palm trees, nope, uh-uh. jungle sound effects, no jungle sound effects, but <laughs> sound effects sound. of this <laughs> bad cat. Few things that were done a little bit too long and yeah. judging things. Uh, chained up person, yes. The woman tied to the table, the yeah. blood dripped out of her, and then a f- few people that, uh, yeah, so that. Um, dance scenes on stage stripping, yes. No stripping of clothes, but there was people watching the redheaded can can dancer yeah. doing a burlesque type show, a, a can can type dance. So, yeah. And she kind of lifted her skirt a little yeah, bit. Yeah, she sounded like so, yeah. a little bit, so that definitely counts. Yeah. Um, club scenes dancing, no. Yeah. Just the just the number seven on number eight. Uh, or no, number three. No. Um, number nine, uh, jazz music. No, this is a lot of Bruno Nicolai did a lot of Universal Studio cues and then with other uh, extensions off of those to kind of fit that 30s, 40s type of stuff. And he did a really good job with the music because yeah. it felt like a lot of the cues from the classic Universal Frankenstein and the Dracula films and, and all that, you know, well, just the two Dracula films. But, but yeah, like the House Frankenstein, House Dracula and all that. Um Let's see. Uh, okay, so number 10, excessive zooms. Yes. yes. A lot of fucking zooms in this. Uh, <laughs> zooming in, a lot of zooming back, but it's f- especially the first like five minutes, is, it starts you off really yeah. back. Like, okay, this is the type of Franco we're getting. This is a zoom-happy film, so get get used to it, which leads to number 11 out of focus shots. Yes, quite a fit. Uh, there's a lot of them that he adjusts focus in the middle of the shot. He'll come in out of focus and adjust focus in the same shot. It's just, why not just shoot it again in focus, you know? Uh, <laughs> a lot of panning, a lot of zooming in and traveling across, keeping a lot of stuff out of focus and then trying to find the focus. So, yeah, quite a bit on that. Yeah. 12 mirror shots, yes. There's a cool mm-hmm. mirror shot. Two or three, one really good one. Air caught, uh, especially when Frankenstein abducts the, the can-can dancer and the cop shoots him in the back and you see see it all in the reflection of that small kind of a sun type mirror. Yeah. It was really fucking cool. Um, let's see. Uh, that was actually really good. Uh, that was a good sequence. Yeah, actually. good bullet effects too. Yeah, yeah. You see his back kind of, and you see like two or three holes. Right? It was like, wow, that's pretty good for Franco yeah. film, man. It's like, got a nice squib in there or something going. No blood or nothing, but yeah. still it looked good. It had, had, a, had movement and sound to it. Uh, 13, mind control theme, yes. Yes. Uh, Mad Scientist, of course, had Dracula under his control. And, uh, you know, Frankenstein, of course, is controlled by Dracula. So most definitely mind control and all the uh, Mad Scientist equipment. Well, at least another number. but Okay, so 14, magic tongue scenes. Okay, so uh, the guy that's playing the Igor character, uh, I think they called him Morpho in here, which yeah. uh, which is cool because Morpho is always... I thought I said it was Morpho, which... I didn't catch that when I was watching it, but uh, 
Morpho is always the name of like the assistant to the mad scientist in the early Franco films. So that's cool. We have that on here. It's funny in the book. It doesn't say that we got, uh, I it said, yeah. Dennis Price, Howard Vernon, um, Paca, Gabriel's Mary Francis, Albert de Bally's is Dr. Seward, Britt Nichols, female vampire, Genevieve Delure, Amira, gypsy girl, uh, Yosian Parbelaire has okay cabaret singer Dracula's first victim Morpho there it is Morpho Luis Barbu yeah so he uh, the redheaded girl we were laughing because they drain her blood and we're like man she's so beautiful like you don't get rid of her he's throwing the incinerator <laughs> so then Morpho decides to go ahead and like start Frenching her dead body you know so yeah. he's like kissing her and she's dead but he's just making out with her and it's pretty funny so we're like oh there's uh, Morpho's magic tongue so yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's probably the one and only time you'll see Morpho's magic tongue. Uh, 15, red light. There is a red light inside of the incinerator to give the effect of the fire. I was looking at that. I don't know if they used a layered shot of shooting fire first and then laying it onto the shot to superimpose it, or if it was uh, actual fire and then close to the camera and the room was behind that. But it looked like superimposed possibly, but they used like a red light inside. So if it was a red light inside, it would burn out with the flame of the camera, the heat. So I think it was superimposed, but it looked really good. So, uh, yeah, there's red light in that shot. Uh, 16, sheepskin rug or masturbate with a C item. I'd say no on those. Oh. Two solid no's. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> I know I love the sheepskin rug. Fuck. Uh, 17. But, you know, in this film, well, yeah, actually, if you get looking, I'll say vampires and stuff in this, but. Okay, so 17, uh, mad scientist. Uh, yes, most definitely Dr. Frankenstein, one of the original OGs of mad scientists. Uh, 18, fish tank shots. No. No, no not at all. 19, talking parrot in a wrong film. No talking parrots in this. <laughs> talking bats. You know, <laughs> making the sound, that's about it, but no English. Uh, number 20, in credits, yes or no? Yes. Yep. 21, handwritten notes, somewhat, a hand-painted note for the toilettes yes. and the uh, bar when you the earning. And 22, spiral staircase shot. Yes, there's a spiral staircase in... Was it Dracula's castle, I think it was? Yeah. Or uh, No, or, Doc, or Dr. Seward's place. It was Dr. Seward's place. Dr. Seward's place. Yeah, Dr. Seward's right, right. right. shot where he goes up that one little... You only see the bottom, and he just goes up two steps, and it cuts. Um, okay, so we did soft open. I gave asked you your thought of the film. We did the list. My review. Um, I liked it a lot. It reminded me of, uh, like I said, the classic Universal stuff that I grew up liking. Um Dennis Price, I thought was a fucking really good Dracula. I liked him as Dracula. He had no dialogue in that, of course. I'm sorry, um, Howard Vernon, I mean, as, yeah. as Dracula. Um, Dennis Price was a pretty good Dr. Frankenstein. He was very theatrical with his acting and, and very over-the-top with his gestures. Uh, but Howard Vernon, I always thought would be a good Dracula. He's very suave, really great eyes. Uh, when he was feeding on the women, his eyes would dart around and act like a wild animal feeding, which was a cool touch. You, don't, you see that a few times on a few of the Draculas, but they don't... Um, emphasize that as much as he did, which I really liked a lot. Um, we had a sexy vampire woman, uh, the, the the renegade one that was almost like a knockoff of Soldat, I thought, but uh, her teeth were a little too white. Uh, the vampire teeth I didn't like on this. Um, Frankenstein, my God. Uh, Frankenstein's monster, let's see. His makeup was about nine-tenths covered, they should have done a lot more blending. You'd see his real skin behind his neck and under his hands and by his ears and under his like neck area. And just all over the place, you kept seeing his regular skin. Um, instead of having stitches on his face, he had like these like blood little drawings of like s- stitchings and stuff, and it looked so terrible. Oh, very very comical, I thought. I mean, I do love the cheapness and stuff, but there's other things you could have did to you know, make a scar there or make it a wound or, yeah. or something to stunt that looks so like a, I mean, I know it's supposed to be comic bookish. So maybe that was the intent, but I don't know. The, the blending of the makeup though, that was huge. Yeah. Like, that was even on uh, Vernon's Dracula, like yeah. by his hairline. That you first part. See. Yeah. When he was blue and then when he came back to yeah. the normal skin color, it looked better. But yeah, the better, first yeah. bit of that, that's just like, they got to learn to blend better, man, and have quality control and have a second set of eyes. Go, Hey, you got to do a little bit on the next. So you can still see something, you know, because I don't know if they thought that you couldn't see it, but god damn, you could see it. It's way too much. <laughs> um, Wolfman, the hair I liked on it, his nose, I didn't really care for his teeth, I didn't like. No. Um, he was a little jumpy and stuff. Um, but, you know, he, he fulfilled what he was supposed to yeah. do. 
little confusing because I thought she had turned Dr. Seward into the Wolfman, but then later on we realized that she had just summoned the Wolfman. And, and reading the synopsis kind of filled it in a little more, too, because the German uh, DVD or the German Blu-ray I have, which is a really great one, uh, but unfortunately it has no English dub, which is fine, but the subtitles are only on the dialogue and not on any of the voiceovers and stuff. So some of it was missing. So this filled in some of the part. Oh, yeah, by the way, too. We always get our research from Murderous Passions, The Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco, Volume 1 by Stephen Thrower, available at all your favorite local bookstores and online, of course. Um, but yeah, so he, this book provided us with that. Um, it's a must-have for any Franco. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, must have. You learn so much, just goddamn. If I didn't have this book, I could never do this. Um, I, actually, let me go over some of these quick titles real quick. Um, so yeah, Dracula, Prisoner, Fr- Prisoner of Frankenstein. Portugal, Spain, and Liechtenstein and France, 1971. Uh, original theatrical title in country of origin, Dracula, Prisionario de Frankenstein, uh, Portugal. Uh, let's see, Spanish, Dracula versus Frankenstein, straight to the point. Yeah. Dracula contra Frankenstein. Uh, France, uh, Dracula, Prisionero de Frankenstein. Note there is no Liechtenstein version of the film. Uh, alternative titles, uh, German theatrical Night of Open Coffins. It's kind of interesting. Okay. Uh, Die Nacht der Offensage. Uh, Italian theatrical Dracula contra Frankenstein, Dracula vs. Frankenstein. Same with Belgian. Um, German Vampire Kill der Nacht der Offensage. U.S. video The Screaming Dead. God, that's terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like an 80s fucking video Screaming release. Dead. Uh, we had a shooting title of Dr. Frankenstein versus Dracula, Dracula versus, pretty much all Dracula versus Frankenstein, which is funny. I'm glad it's Dracula prisoner of Frankenstein because there around this time, 71, there was a, uh, also there's a assignment terror, which was also titled Dracula versus Frankenstein with Paul Nashi and Michael Rennie. And then there's also a Dracula versus Frankenstein, Al Adamson, which is about either 71 or 74, I think. And those three, always you would get confused in the 80s or 90s in video stores. Oh, Dracula vs. Frankenstein. Well, which version is it? There's three different films called Dracula vs. Frankenstein. So this was always cool to call it as Dracula Prisoner of Frankenstein because uh, they do this. The other one is uh, The Erotic Rights of Frankenstein, which he does like three films after this. Because yeah. after this is Dracula's Daughter of Dracula, then Devil's Island Lovers, which is like a prison movie, and then uh, Erotic Rights of Frankenstein, and then... Uh, under the demons and everything else after that. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, this is pretty cool. Um, Portugal, Spain, oh, yeah. So, uh, the nudity counter on this, uh, like I said before, was zero. We were like, uh-huh. how was it, five minutes, two minutes, three? Nope, just nothing. Um, the Wolfman, I'm looking at the credits here, the Wolfman was played by someone named Brandy. Brandy? Not the soul singer Brandy, you know, but later on, <laughs> but just Brandy. Wolfman, Brandy. Brandy, huh? Yeah. Say it'll say Brandy, you're a fine girl. You're the wolf man, yes indeed. <laughs> that would be a good, good song. Uh, let's see. Brandy, was it a girl or a guy? I know, this is That's Brandy, the wolf man. It's a small, I mean, I assumed it was a guy, but I mean, it's a small framed person. It could have yeah, been a woman. Be a I mean, who knows? Brandy. Wow. It could have just been named after what they were conceived. Yeah, or maybe the person really liked drinking brandy, and they yeah. said, oh, what's your name? Not what's your liquor, but what's your name? Brandy. Okay, and they just, I don't know. Um, it's really not a joke there. but uh, So let's see. Credits directed by Jess Franco. Story and screenplay, Jess Franco. Um, editor, Maria Luisa Sorina. Yeah, it's funny, too. The, <clears throat> the version we watched, it was almost like there was frames missing every so often. It would, like, jump. Like, say, of course, there's 24 frames to a second, so if you take out one frame, that's 1 24th of a second. So you would see just a little bit of a jump, but the sound was all the way through fine. So it was, might be a visual thing. Um, that was that was kind of odd. Um, executive producer on this is Arturo Morcos Tejor. Um, let's see who else we got. Of course, Bruno Nicolai to the music. It's funny too. We have uh, almost there wasted um, Antonio Di Cabo. He's a male married victim. The white-haired guy oh, he yeah. comes in there. He's like in there for five minutes. Gets killed. That's it. Yeah. He comes in. Hi, I'm home. Lights the candles to lighten up the room in front of a uh, window that has sunlight coming straight yeah. in right in the way and it doesn't do anything to light these fucking candles. An extremely well-lit room. <laughs> yeah, he takes a woman laser down and then, of course the vampires come in and kill him. But uh, yeah, he's an X312 and he's in some other films coming up. So I was like, oh, cool, there he is. And there he goes. Yeah. So yeah, he wasn't in it very long. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, 
it's kind of cool. It's it's if you dig the the old classic monster movies, you probably like this. So, but yeah, like he was saying, there's so much different Jess Franco stuff. There's sex comedy. There's prison movies. There's monster movies. There's uh, God, I was looking at my shelf behind me here. Uh, he does spy movies. He does you know fucking vampire stuff. Karate karate movies later on. Uh, the girl Amazon stuff. The you know per- Captain's Perverse. He does all the of course all the um um. Dietrich stuff we just watched and all Lena Romaine. So yeah, it's amazing that his style is even if he does follow some of the same formula or some of the same trappings, it makes a totally different product. So yeah, I, I would recommend this. Um it's fun. I mean I don't know if I would attach Franco's name to it or not, but uh it's cool he shot this really fast and I like his fast output of stuff he put out and it's stuff that he dug, so it was a nice change of pace, something different to do after the death of Sold Odd and just kinda getting some shit out that you want to do, you know, before you find your groove again. So how long how long did it take him to film this? Well this says shooting date November, um but like the shooting on this is weird because it says um um although precise shooting details are unclear, a press article dated ninth of December seventy one reported that Dracula versus Frankenstein had recently completed shooting in Alicante. While a press article about Mary Francis, one of the actors in it, dated January 21st of 72, which would be the following month, mm-hmm. describes the film as her most recent. Bearing in mind that the film also features extensive shooting in Portugal, we can surmise that it was begun during the exact same spell of shooting as The Virgin Among the Living Dead and possibly Virgin Report. So November to December 71. So about a month, probably, you know. That's really solid. I mean, it is. Like, I mean, because it. The, it just had this dark, deep mood throughout the whole film. Yeah, and like, every scene yeah, good call. captured it. Like that. every yeah. everything, like you felt the heaviness of it. Like this wasn't just a fun, like you know, light movie. Like it was just very like heavy. Like yeah, you actually felt the dread of the people yeah. and, and the evil that was coming over the town. A good call. And it wasn't just about the dragon coming in and killing people and the fighting and all that stuff. It actually had that that sense of dread to it. And kind of glancing through these book as I speak here, they kind of mentioned House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula, lots of I had mentioned myself. Um, it says, let me quick here, thing. Cast and crew, actress Genevieve Delore, subsequently married Canadian producer and director Ivan Reitman, best known for creating the Ghostbusters franchise. Huh. So let's see who she was, Genevieve Delore. She was... Uh, Amira, the gypsy girl. Okay, the one that oh, turned... Yeah, so yeah, she ended up married pretty. Ivan Reitman, yeah. Wow, okay. Ghostbusters and all that. That's fucking cool. I didn't know that. That is cool. Um, and who's since passed on. Uh, now known as Genevieve Roberts, she is the mother of actor-director Jason Reitman and actresses Kathleen Reitman and Carolyn Reitman. Um, music. Most of the music is drawn from Bruno Nicolai's score for Justine and Count Dracula. Some versions also credit Daniel White, although he had little, if any, involvement. Locations. Santa Barbara Castle in Alicante and the Palacio dos Conde Castro Gumeris in Cascais, Portugal. Yeah, because the one place uh, was it the close up or close up of Dracula's castle we thought we'd recognize from slaves, and Eric thought that building with the mural might have been in Portuguese. Now we'll have to kind of look that up and see if because some of that looked familiar to us. Yeah, it looked really, really familiar, yeah. like the blue the blue tile. I'm, yeah, so I'm kind of curious yeah. to look back and see and cross reference that. Um, kind of give a quick little connections here before we wrap this up. Um, Earl C. Kenton's weird and wonderful House of Frankenstein 1944 can be seen as a template with its episodic narrative, exploration of Count Dracula by a rogue scientist, and an appearance from the Wolfman in the final reel. Franco's Frankenstein monster abducts beautiful nightclub performers, just like Morpho did in Awful Dr. Orloff. And Franco's manservant here is called Morpho. Uh, Franco was not the only... Franco was not the only director playing with the Aurora toys at the start of the 70s. Nash's werewolf films were made, making a fair few pesos, too, with Werewolf Shadow. It's submitting as Wolfman. I can't really know about that. Uh, Franco was knowingly competitive with Nashi by hurling a lank and throat monster into the mix. And then he has him killed off, too, which is funny. It's like his little, yeah, he didn't really like Nashi. He always heard that in his interviews and stuff. Um, let's see. Yeah, this book has a lot of cool pictures from this film, too. They use a lot of the cool stills. Um, it say that a lot of the languages, Baltic, uh, Trotskyism, Southeast Europe, and former Soviet tongues, he's been unable to discern what language is used in the notes passed between Louis Barbeau and Daniel White. I suspect that being some previously unknown language discovered by the well-known ethnographer and cunning linguist, Dan Kuhn. <laughs> 
So I think it's a fake language made by Franco. Okay. <laughs> That's what was on the paper? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, the weird language, you know what it was. Yeah. Uh, finally, Fernando Bilbo's monster bears an uncanny resemblance to a version later played by Peter Boyle in 1974's Mel Brooks's Young Frankenstein. Interesting. I didn't think about that a little bit. You know. Okay. Um, let's see... Oh, yeah, so here's about the nudity real quick. Uh, although available now on DVD from Spain, which I have that as well, uh, the USA and Great Britain, the only accurately framed version remains a video from Japan, which I think the German Blu-ray is, which preserves the original 235-1 ratio. Yes, it was. Um, while the English-language DVD is far superior in picture resolution, the Japanese tape is essential to appreciate the skill of Franco's original framing. Concurrently with the original shoot, a sexier version with less clothing for the female victims was created. Jean-Pierre Bouin reports seeing it at the 1972 Cannes Film Market. Um, sadly, it has been so far proven elusive on video or DVD with just one surviving still to taunt the curious. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that was that. So, yeah, there's no sexier version of this or no um, nudity version or nothing like God, that. Dang so, it. Yeah. Dang it, man. I know. It's very rare for a Franco fan, for a Franco like, film. Is, that the, is the, the redhead... Uh, Vampire? Is she in any future films? Please, please, please. I don't know. Uh, I just closed the book. <laughs> so what we could do is... Well, actually, what you could do, Eric, I don't know if you've done this before, you can write down an actress's name and look her up on the internet. I, uh, yeah, Have you done that before? I get a couple. <laughs> no, but that's a good idea, you know? I always Start notice you do it on a day of the week that the last two letters are A-Y. So it's yeah. one of those days, Monday, Thursday. Oh, okay, so, yeah. yeah. So one of those days. But... Uh, <laughs> Hey, and speaking of days, you can get a hold of us Monday through Friday or Saturday, Sunday at Franco Observer at Yahoo.com. That's a nice smooth. smooth as silk. Smooth as the uh, inside of Dracula's cop, uh, cast. Ah, Dracula's cave, not smooth. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway. Uh, you can also find us, like Dracula finds his victims, at Facebook at Franco Observer Podcast. Or you can find us, like the Wolfman found uh, Frankenstein at Instagram at Franco Observer Podcast. And that's all I could find for myself. No. And you so, can bite our necks. Like, <laughs> well, if you're a um, transient, his name's Eric Whitwell. And, uh, no, you can bite his neck. Come by. Yeah. Say hi. I'll put honey on it. With that said, <laughs> I am not having a beautiful night. <laughs> <Have> beautiful nights. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>